0: You guys are really gluttons for punishment having me here. This is my third week in a row, thank you. I think I still have two more to go. So, thank you for having me. Um, I titled this morning's message, uh, What is the Good News? And um, I want us to look at, uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to take a look at that in a few minutes. How many of you know uh, what the four spiritual laws are? I, f- I feel like I'm really loud. <clears throat> okay. He's got headphones on. He can't hear me. <laughs> um, how many of you know what the four spiritual laws are? Okay. <clears throat> Back in the '70s and '80s, this was used across the country by Campus Crusade for Christ to witness to people, and it it literally won thousands of people to Jesus. Um, but there's controversy around it because it didn't give exactly the whole gospel. I'm not going to take this uh, take a, a lot of exception to this because I used this a lot. I was taught on it. I was weaned as a Christian, a new Christian on Campus Crusade stuff. But the first law, there's four laws. In the first one, it says God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. Now, if you know anything about Bill Bright, he was a a Christian businessman who became the leader of Campus Crusade, the founder and leader of Campus Crusade for Christ. And basically what he was doing was a sales job to win people to Jesus. That's not wrong. It's just the way he did it. But, I don't think that that presented the gospel in its entirety. There's much other, or there's a lot of other stuff that should be said about the gospel when we present it in our presentation of the gospel. Uh, The woman at the well did not get the fact that God loved her presented to her by Jesus, by God himself. If you'll read through that passage, he never says, well, God loves you, but I think, The display of love was right there in front of him. The centurion did not get the fact that God loved him. But I believe that when he walked away and went back to his servant, he was going, man, God loves me because he took care of my kid or my servant. He didn't have it presented right dead in front of him. I'd ask the question, how many thousands of people were healed during Jesus' ministry and most likely did not hear straight out that God loved them or that they had to repent from their sin, or that Jesus was going to take them to heaven if they believed. I don't, you know, I was thinking about this. We call uh, the four first books of the New Testament the Gospels. Gospel means good news. So really, from Matthew to the end of John is the whole explanation of the Gospel. And we try to quantify it in something like this, which isn't wrong. Believe me, it's not wrong. I've used this, I've used uh, Eternal Life Track, I've, I've been through, um, what was it, Evangelism Explosion years ago. Um, any way you can share is good, but you just want to make sure that you're sharing the, the nuggets, if you would, the most important things of the gospel. John 3.16 tells us what? For, that, he be gave, that he gave his only begotten son, that who's, there it is yeah that's the gospel right there in one sentence almost but there's still parts of it that really aren't revealed even in that we need to have a basic understanding of god's grace at some level when we present the gospel remember the new testament calls new believers newborn babes not physically newborn babies but spiritually newborn babies and their understanding of what and who god is and and what he wants from us. I think at times we mistake the maturing process of a new Christian for the actual depth of the gospel. It's just pretty deep, really. There's a lot to it. And again, we try to outline it so we can present it at times. It's the whole aspect of the resurrection, I, I believe the whole aspect of the resurrection is missed in our modern day presentation of the gospel. We've been talking about the resurrection since I've been coming the last few weeks. The standard for a new disciple of Jesus to fill Judas' spot in Acts chapter 1 was that he had to have seen the risen Christ. I went back through the entire book of Acts, and I believe that in every actual sermon and and in all the speeches that the, the apostles gave to defend themselves, they always mentioned the resurrection it was key to their presentation of the gospel i went back and counted it's mentioned some 27 times in acts the resurrection was key to the early church for an understanding of salvation of what salvation was all about it was the power of god that raised jesus and now works in us to make us more like him that is resurrection power. Now, I'm not discounting the Holy Spirit in here, so don't go off on a theological tangent one way or the other. But the scripture is pretty clear that there's this resurrection power that grabs hold of us and brings us from darkness to light. I know for me that the resurrection has not always been a part or very rarely a part of my presentation of the gospel when i go to share it with someone i think that might need some change right now because as i've looked at this i think we're missing something and part of it is is we don't want to have it pushed back at us i don't know how many times you've ever shared the gospel and um and had someone say oh i don't believe the resurrection i've never seen anybody raised from the dead nor have I. But that doesn't negate it. We're going to look at that in a minute. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead is paramount, if you would, to the presentation of the gospel. And, and Paul makes that clear in this passage we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians. So, if you again, if you have your Bibles, um, or if it's up here, let's read it together real quick. Verse 1, "'Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you which, you, which also you received, and in which you stand, <clears throat> by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures.' and that he was seen by Cephas, Cephas was Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am... Not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. or pitible. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me just pray for a moment. God, I ask that you would just open your word up to us, that you'd make this whole issue of the resurrection very clear. And you would strengthen our understanding of it so that we might uh, present it to all those around us. For you have given us life by resurrection, by the resurrection power. So God, I pray that you just um, take hold of this and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to run through this passage. It's actually a pretty loaded passage and you could go down a couple of different roads with this. But I want to I really take a good, hard look at the, at the whole issue of the resurrection. Now, in the first couple of verses, you'll see that salvation comes from sh- sharing the good news. In verse 1, he says, More brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you. Paul states that the Corinthians stand in the gospel that he preached. That gospel had the resurrection right in the middle of it. He had traveled to Corinth and stayed there a year and a half preaching and teaching and he was actually a tent maker if you know your Bible history and he he made tents. He ran into Aquila while he was there and Aquila and Priscilla became his disciples and uh, they're sort of scattered throughout the whole New Testament Um, that relationship was found in Corinth. The only way the Corinthians could believe and know Christ was that Paul came and preached to them. I just want to Camp out on this just for a second. <laughs> the only way anyone can know and come to Christ is so is when someone tells them. Now I know there's a few exceptions, dreams and things like that in the Muslim world. But in history, and for us in America, the only way someone comes to know Jesus is if you sit down and tell them the gospel. Now I'm I'm a preacher and uh when it says that we're to preach in this instance um it doesn't mean someone who stands up on the stage and pontificates the word of god you know it means all of us actually my job description is a when i was a pastor and now to help you is in your while you're searching for a pastor the job description in ephesians chapter 4 is is that the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry what's the work of the ministry well, there's a whole slew of things that go into that. But a good part of it is to preach or to share the gospel. And I want to tell you, uh, I believe that every church is an outpost for God's army to, to share the gospel. And, and when we don't share, then we nullify in one sense what God wants us to be doing. If you would, we become derelict in our duty to the king. Um, in the Southern Baptist world, now, you've got to realize my background's there, so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm filling you in from there, but a lot of it, I bet, translates. About 15 or maybe 20 years ago, they did a fairly extensive survey of Southern Baptists. There's Supposedly, there's 16 million Southern Baptists. They can't find 8 million of them, but there's, there's, about, there's a lot of Southern Baptists, or there were and um they found that out of that group that they surveyed 92 percent never shared the gospel 92 percent never told anybody about the love of jesus in their life now think about that for a second (laughs) let's just say eight million southern baptists won one person a year to christ i think it's in about eight or ten years the entire united states would have been evangelized my guess is is that most um presbyterians are the same way (laughs) i love you when i say that i'm not picking on you but I'm, i'm i'm asking you to think about do you have you shared the gospel with anybody have you looked for the opportunities to give the love of christ to somebody even to talk to them what we're going to talk about this morning about the resurrection that's vitally important. And because the church in America generally has been asleep and not really shared the gospel, there, there's been the Billy Grahams and the Louis Palows and you know, all the different big evangelists and they've done a great job in, in one sense. But the church, you and I, the individual soldiers of the church, when we're not sharing the gospel, we're getting what we're getting right now. We're seeing the fruit of what, Satan has done to gag the church. And I believe that's showing up in all of our national stuff because there's no salt and light right now (laughs) that should be getting involved in the church or getting involved in the nation, excuse me. So just think about that, okay? It's right here in the front part. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. He had to preach it first, he had to go tell them first. You and I are responsible to telling, and we ought to be looking for opportunities. I don't don't know if, you know when you get old you don't remember what you did before, but I I don't think I've ever shared this. But um, when I first got saved, uh, Bobby Mitchell was the boss of my company. He's in his 80s now. And um, I went into his office, I'd been saved about four days and he started talking to me, and I knew nothing about this man. I just started working at this company, and, and uh, he says, when I got uh, set free in his conversation with me, and then he said a few minutes when I got set free, and a few minutes later, he said, when I got set free, and I said, wait a second, what do you mean when you got set free? Had me right there. Shared the gospel with me right off the spot. Took me to the, a businessman's Bible study that discipled me for years, led by a campus crusade guy. That's where some of this comes from. Figure out a way to share the gospel. Salvation can only come from one sinner saved by grace, sharing with other sinners the hope we have in Christ. Second thing I want you to see from this I call it the specifics of the salvation message. And Paul basically what he does is he outlines three main headings and then he gives you one result in these next uh, few verses. Verse 3 says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. Christ died for the sins of those who will accept him. He paid the price for our sins. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Paul most likely explained to the Corinthians, what the Bible says about sin and the fact that it separates us from God. Vance Habner, I got to hear him a couple times. He was this great old Baptist preacher. He started in the 30s and um, he preached till he oh, I think he was 89 years old. And uh, funny as the day is long. You can pick him up on YouTube if you ever want to hear a, a great old, just country Southern Baptist preacher who was extremely smart. <laughs> but he used to say, he said, you know what? You gotta make sure they're lost before you can find them sometimes you have to explain to people that they are sinners and they need a savior i had a gal come up to me in my first church down in Burley, idaho and she told me she was not a sinner so i went through the scripture with her but that didn't seem to faze her so i went to this fellow that was a friend of mine his name was herb stoneman i said hey This happened to me. How how do you deal with that? He says, oh, that's that's no problem. I've had people say that to me. I said, what do you say? He says, well, I just say, can I speak to your spouse? (laughs) That just sort of settles it real quick. We're all sinners. We all have problems. We all have hidden sins. We all have things that we do that we're not pleased with or that we know are wrong. The Bible's very clear. Christ came to save sinners. If you don't think you're a sinner, you're not ready to get saved. So sometimes you have to qualify some way and help understand, you know, for all have sinned. All that have sinned, now all are qualified, all are, all are ready, or all could be, excuse me, saved. But you got to understand you're a sinner first before you can be saved. And then Paul goes into this whole thing about the resurrection. Look at verse 4 again he says, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures that he was seen by Sivas, and then he goes on about these different, this whole group of people that have seen him. So if we're all sinners by nature and action, what power can possibly change that inner nature so that we can be released from the power of sin? Paul's answer to that is the resurrection. So he goes from The fact that we're sinners, and then he goes right into the resurrection. I don't know about you, but that isn't what I hear in most modern presentations of the gospel. But that resurrection thing is so important because it's the power of the resurrection that sets you and I free from sin. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, raise, I don't know if if my English is right there, but if he didn't rise from the dead then you and I cannot overcome sin. Not only did he show that he was God when he was raised from the dead, but he showed that he could overcome death, and the cause of death is what? Sin. For the wages of sin is death. The resurrection is vitally important in terms of understanding how we can live out the Christian life. How we can ultimately become Christians. It also, that, <clears throat> it also shows that he has the power to change us from being a sinner who is dead in our trespasses and sin to alive in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking as a blessed saint. It, uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. Paul gives a good explanation Of of what he means by this in Ephesians chapter 4 or excuse me Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses I don't know if you've ever studied the word dead but dead means dead let's let that sink in for a second dead means dead now you and I don't think of ourselves as dead because we're moving around doing stuff but in terms of this relationship we are dead in our trespasses and sins we have no hope we can't do anything for ourselves so even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved and raised us up together how do you raise us up? that's that resurrection power He raised us up with him. When Christ was raised up and we put our faith in him, then we're raised up. It says, go on in the the passage. It says that we're seated with him and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop there. That power of resurrection raised us up and it seats us with Christ in the heavenly places. That's what, that's what this whole thing about the resurrection is really all about. It's not just that Christ himself was raised. We're we going to celebrate that on Easter. Yes. But it's the fact that because we put our faith in Christ, we will be raised. Paul pretty much makes that clear here in the next few verses. When his power works in us to save us, And he saves all kinds of sinners, God's resurrection power is seen. Paul also wanted all to know that multiple people had seen the risen Christ. Look look at the bottom part of that, or excuse me, I say bottom part, the last few verses. After he he was seen, he was seen by Cephas, and then by the 12, and after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also. In a court of law in America, how many uh, pieces of evidence or um, people seeing a crime committed do you need to have a conviction? One really good one or two for sure? two corresponding pieces of evidence or someone seeing something happen it's a done deal so the holy spirit had paul say hey look there's about 540 or 50 people who saw the risen christ and you can go interview them if you want they hadn't all fallen asleep yet they hadn't all died just go find out for yourself and we fortunately have it in history jesus was raised from the dead and All these different people saw it. And then a third part of his presentation, first he's a sinner, then he talks about the resurrection, but then he also talks about the transformation of it. He gives his own personal testimony, if you would. In verse nine, he says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He has a deep gratitude towards God because he knew what a wretched sinner he was and that God had reached down and grabbed him and pulled him out of that and give him life all of us have a testimony one way or the other mine's not exactly the most wonderful uh, testimony in terms of what I was before but I think it's wonderful because of what God has done since sometime I'll share that with you But we all have a testimony Paul had been transformed by the grace of God reaching down into his life and transforming him from a Pharisee to in a in basically a murderer he stood by while they killed Stephen had all the coats thrown at his feet from being basically a murderer to being one who shared the gospel and became the great apostle maybe you're not a killer Maybe you're not someone who's um, done some awful thing. But I would be willing to bet that you've failed at one, if not all, the Ten Commandments. One of them says uh, you're to honor your father and mother. You know, if you honor your father and mother, you're honoring God. So if you don't honor your father and mother, boom. <coughs> you're, you're sinning against God. Anybody ever been mad at their parents? I know some of y'all are parents now, and you're like me or granddad. But I can remember being mad and dishonoring my parents. It says we're not to be greedy. I'm not going to go down all 10 of them, but I'm just going to hitch on a few of them. But we're not to be greedy we're not to covet is what the word the old testament word is but you know how you figure out whether you're coveted or not do you trust god with your finances i have nothing to do with the finances of this church but let me tell you if you can't trust god with your tithes you have a you have an issue with greed you need to get that right with him and that can be part of your testimony god can take those things and make Wonderful things out of them. Then the, sort of the, those are the three parts, if you would, of, the, of of his gospel presentation. But then there's this part where salvation comes through believing and trusting the message. Look at verse 11. It says, therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and you believed. Paul knew that in order for others to enjoy the salvation that he enjoyed, he had to tell, he had to preach, he had to inform, he had to give it away. He could not let himself rest while he worked to take the gospel to his world, so he preached. And they, that small group of Corinthians, believed. In fact, everywhere Paul went, he started a church. We have that all through the book of Acts. The gospel and those who live it out are the only hope, in my estimation, of our world. Certainly of of our country. If we do not take it to others and see the Spirit of God work in them to change them like He has changed us, I do not see much hope for this sin-sick world. I hope you will take the gospel out. If you had not learned ever how to share the gospel, I'd be glad to just walk through a few things. It's pretty simple, really. If you're, if you're equipped, then you'll share. But when that happens, there's going to be those who oppose us and not believe. And that's what happened to Paul. Some believe there is no resurrection. And in that last full section, he goes through this whole thing about whether the resurrection Um, should really be a part of the gospel message. And if it is, how are people going to respond to it? He sort of takes logic to its extreme here, if you would. He says, now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? It's either here or there. He's going to give an either or here. Either there is a resurrection or there isn't a resurrection. Either Christ was raised from the dead or he wasn't. If he wasn't then there's no salvation he goes right down the line if I preach the resurrection and I'm paraphrasing here but if I preach the resurrection and there is no resurrection then I'm a liar if I preach the resurrection and there is no resurrection resurrection then your belief in Christ is futile in fact in verse 19 he says in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. For Paul, it was one or the other. You either believe in the resurrection and have salvation, or there is no resurrection and this whole thing is just another story. But, but, there is a resurrection. It's in verse 20, he says, uh, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or those who died. You know what? I, I'm glad I'm just going to fall asleep. I'm a looking forward to it, actually, because I'll be in his presence because there is a resurrection. That resurrection power is going to take me to be in his presence. The resurrection... Is essential for the gospel. If there is no resurrection, then what Paul preached and what we believe, it's nothing, it's foolishness. If there is no resurrection, then the apostles and Paul in particular are liars. They've misrepresented the gospel. The resurrection is absolutely essential to the gospel. I like the way the Amplified Bible put uh, verse 14. Just to go back to that for a second. It says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, useless, amounting to nothing. And your faith is also in vain, imaginary, unfounded, devoid of value and benefit, not based on truth. Verse 15, We are even discovered to be false witnesses, that is, misrepresenting God, because we testified concerning Him that He raised Christ Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are raised. Paul's saying that his belief in the resurrection is so strong that he would stand before God as a liar if it weren't true. That's coming from a Pharisee. The resurrection is absolutely important absolutely central we're about to celebrate Easter's I I started this whole series saying Easter is is key to the gospel it's the it's it's basically the primary uh, uh, celebration for the Christian gospel across the world it's what makes us different and I believe it's what will eventually um, bring us to the point of seeing millions across the world saved In a verse <clears throat> 21, let me just finish it. I've sort of jumped around a bit. But for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Ida, Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. The resurrection shows that we have hope for the future in being made alive today in Christ. Adam brought death, Christ brought life. Do you have his life this morning? Do you have that resurrection life living in you? The truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave cemeteries. I like that. That's from the message translation, by the way. says verse 20 but the truth is that Christ has been raised up the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries I'm gonna leave the cemetery I may be buried in one but I'm gonna come out of it and if you believe in Christ you're gonna come out of it as well let's pray Lord Jesus I thank you that you were raised from the dead that you're no longer in a grave somewhere you're no longer on a cross suffering you are seated at the right hand of God the Father in the heavenlies. And you've raised us up by your resurrection power to be uh, new um, beings in Christ. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we might um, recognize how great our salvation is, recognize the need to uh, share the gospel with whomever we meet. And then, Lord, I pray that we might just uh, begin to Realize and understand something of that resurrection power that makes us new in Christ. Lord, um, if there's anybody here this morning who hasn't ever uh, given their heart and life to you, has never uh, turned from their sin and said yes to the Savior, I pray that this morning they might do that. They might simply say, I'm a sinner in need of you. and I ask that you come and um, take residence in my heart. And transform me by your resurrection power. Lord bless. Bless our time now in Jesus' name.